So I just wanted to uh, walk down here real quick. This is awesome. Um, when I see this, this is like, I see like the stamp of LifeSpring because what LifeSpring is about is just about just loving our community and being able to just share this much. These are all individual smiles that are going to be around the world and people are going to feel the love of LifeSpring and through the LifeSpring feel the love of Jesus all through this. And you guys should be just so proud of yourselves for this. Come on. Like, that's just amazing. So I definitely want to pray over this because this is just, just too much here. So Father God, thank you so much for the, uh, the willing and loving hearts of, of all the people here at LifeSpring. We're one body and one body of Christ. And, and I just pray for the kids that are receiving these all around the world and that when they open these boxes, they're just, just filled with instant joy and love. And that joy and love comes from you, Lord God. And I just pray these in your name. Amen. All right. So... This is high. Um, if you're visiting this morning, I want to welcome you to Life Spring. We've been, for the last seven weeks, we've been talking about uh, the book of First John, um, which is just amazing. I think we have one more week, and then we're going to be switching over to our Christmas series, and then there might be a possibility of finishing First John. Um, it's quite a bit. It's awesome, though. Of course, First John was written by one of the Jesus' disciples, um, John. But for many years, this is years later now, um, and the, he's the last disciple. The disciples have all died off except for John. He's the last one there. And so he has a lot of authority on this first book of John. He, it's all him. He has the authority of, of the church at this point. And um, because of that, because he's the last one alive and he has a lot of authority, people are looking to him. People of the church are looking to him for truth. They're looking for him for direction because they are lost right now, and they're looking for him. So before we get started this morning, though, I wanted to say a word. Hope to catch you a little off guard. I'm going to say a word, and I want you to think of the first thing that comes to mind when I say this word. Um, do not say it out loud, please, because that will be really, really awkward. Trust me on this. But I want you to think of the first thing that comes to your mind when I say this word. You ready? You ready for this word? It's, here it is. The word is antichrist. Antichrist. Ooh, I can see a little bit of nervousness out there. The word is antichrist. So I'm guessing that you guys probably thought of lots of different things, especially, uh, you know, it's just a weird, a weird word, a weird time of week to hear this word. Uh, a lot of things have happened this week, as you know. This was not planned, I promise you. Um, but yeah, just that word. And I wonder what you thought of. And yeah, I was going to have everybody just tell your neighbor what you thought of, but then I thought I better not. You know, you just don't know. You just, I don't want to tip that bucket over. Um, so this morning, it's gonna, we're going to read through a portion of Scripture that talks about Antichrist. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 John chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 18. If you don't have your Bibles, it will be on the screen. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, that the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out, that it might become plain that they are not all, are not all of us. But you have been appoint, anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. I write to you not, not because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Who is the liar? But he who denies Jesus is the Christ. This is the Antichrist, 
he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. Let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made for us, eternal life. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But his anointing teaches you everything, and this is true. This is no lie. Just as it has taught you, abide in him. Let us pray. Father God, just thank you so much for this word this morning. And, and it's just a, it's, it's a tough word to, to just receive, but it's the truth. And this comes out of your word, and I just thank you for that. Just allow this, this word to just fill us up this morning and just to uh, just rejuvenize us as we walk out this morning and just be excited for you. It's a message of hope, Lord God. We just thank you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. This is a tough scripture this morning. I had to do a lot of prayer. I had to go through a lot of attack, and I had to just get through it and just, because this is just tough. I want to tell you a quick story. This story about four boys. They were notorious truants at school. Um, they cut school. They just, they, they were hardly ever there. One day, they, they came late all the time. Sounds like my son. He's late all the time. One day, they came in late again, so the teacher was fed up with it. She's tired of it. He says, what is your excuse this time? Boy said, what excuse? It's true. Our car broke down because the tires were punctured. The teacher, who was not very convinced, but, he kept elab- but the kids, they kept elaborating on the story, so it sounds more and more true, right? The more you talk about it, the more true it sounds. He says, fine, I'm going to put you to a test. I want you guys to raise your hands. So they raised their hands up in the air. All of them were miraculously spotless. So now he's, the teacher is starting to think, well, maybe the story is not quite true. So he decides to put the kids through another test. He gives them all a piece of paper and a pencil, sends them to the four corners of the classroom, says, okay, I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to write down your answer. Which tire was punctured? Well, of course, all four answers were different. All four were different. So they gave four different answers. You know, sometimes we need a test to show us what is true and what is false in life. And that comes, you know, especially with church. Um, are you really a Christian? Because we often, so we often believe that we are Christians. We assume that we've been changed by God because we change the way we talk, we change the way we dress, we, change, we use Christian lingo, um, we change our Sunday morning activities. We're here this morning, right? So we think that makes us a Christian. John says, no, there are real objective tests by which you can know for sure if you are a follower of God. He says, this is the test that you must pass. This is the test of obedience. Not sinless perfection, but sincere progression. In other words, a true Christian will always be growing towards God. I mean, you're, you're not going to be perfect. You're going to fall. You're going to falter. You might cha- turn around briefly, but in the end, your path is going to be always one way towards God. That'll be the general direction of your life. He said, uh, what a Christian is all about, he, a Christian doesn't obey to be saved, but if he is truly saved, then he obeys. The second test to know if you're a true Christian is love. Do you love one another? 
A Christian will love all of God's people. He will love the brothers and sisters in Christ. He will love your neighbors. This is the the second test of a true believer. So someone who is bitter, harboring anger, resentment to one another, you have to ask yourself, are you willing to repent? Are you really a believer? And finally, this morning, what I want to dive into is the true believer will endure through the passage of time and will keep on believing. He doesn't forsake and deny the Lord ultimately. He will endure. When Jesus was on the earth, he was very popular. Many people always crowded around him. In particular, there was a time where he performed a miracle. It was uh, the miracle of the five loaves and the two fish. You guys know this story, right? He multiplied it to feed thousands upon thousands of people who were gathered around him. The the people, they followed him wherever he went. And one day he came up to them and he said, all these people around him, he says, I came to be the bread of life. You must eat my flesh and drink my blood. You must receive me into your life in order to have eternal life. But the Bible tells us in John chapter 6 that all of them, all of them, except for the 12 disciples, left him. So thousands came, thousands left. They left. What Jesus was trying to teach them was just too hard for them to accept. And so he asked them, he turned to his 12 and he asked them, do you want to go away with, as well? So that's the question I have for you this morning. Do you want to go away as well? <clears throat> Peter, he's the loud one of the group, he spoke up. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed. And we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Amen? <clears throat> so Peter, <clears throat> he's saying that even the people... <clears throat> What Peter's saying is that even though all the people left, we are believers of God, and we're going to follow you. We're not going to go away. We're not going to go anywhere. So at 1 John, the Apostle John, what he's trying to say, he's trying to say the same thing. In 1 John, he says, they went out from us. They quit following the way of Jesus. They quit following us. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For they had been with us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they are not of us. So what John is saying is he's saying there is a reality. He's talking to a church right now, and he says there is a reality that people he is speaking to in this church are leaving in droves. They are abandoning Jesus. They, why are they abandoning Jesus, though? Like, they were just abandoning the teachings of Jesus. They're walking away from the church, but why? Because like those who casually followed him when, when he was doing the miracle, they never really believed in Jesus. And what's true in John's time and in Jesus' time is still true today. We take a look at this picture. You guys got it? Wow. <clears throat> That's a big church. Um, a lot of people there. Thousands of people. And this morning, go ahead and leave that up there for a second. Uh, this morning, I imagine thousands of people across the United States and millions across the world are in church this morning. Does that mean that every single one of these people up here is a believer of Christ, is a true believer, a follower of God? Maybe. Maybe. But probably not, right? Probably not. There are millions of people going to church today. You see, a true believer, and see, that's the, hang on, 
And this is a question that Jesus is asking his disciples, and it's still very relevant today. Do you want to go away as well? You see, a true believer will say, no, I will stay. I will follow you, Jesus, no matter what. But a false believer will ultimately one day say to Jesus, no, I'm sorry, but I'm going to turn around, I'm going to walk away, I'm going to go the other direction. <clears throat> so I want to talk about church. And when I refer to church, I'm referring to the external visible church. And in this church, in this room right now, there's probably about 80 of us or so, in this church, in this building, there are three categories that John talks about, three categories of people that could potentially arise in 1 John chapter 2. Number one, we're going to talk about false believers. It's not a popular subject, but false believers. In this church right now, there can be false believers. And the picture, go ahead and put the picture back up, there are definitely, possibly, false believers. It's a scary thought. This is reality. This is real. The Bible, we're not going to just, just pick and choose the parts of the Bible we want to follow. We have to follow all of the Bible. And even of the parts that don't seem popular to us, it's just so real, though. The Bible tells us that there will be false believers because John says in verse 19, they went out from us. These are the people that were with us, but they left the faith of Jesus Christ. Not leaving the gospel or the church, but they left Jesus entirely. They went out from us, so they were not with us. They looked exactly like true believers of God. They used Christian lingo. They raised their hands during worship. They said, hallelujah, praise the Lord. They say and they act these things. Maybe they change the way they look on the outside. They come to church services on Sunday morning. They might be in the congregation. They might be serving with you. They might even be living a life group with you. But they went out from us. I've been teaching and working in ministry now for 12 years. Um, I've developed some great friendships and some great relationships over those 12 years. And I remember one in particular... A long time ago, it was about 12 years ago, they were some friends of mine. They left the church. They left the church. They didn't go to another church. No, they just turned their backs on Jesus and they left. And I tried to ask them about it and tried to talk to them about it. And they didn't want to talk about God. They didn't want to talk about Jesus. They were done with it. They had no desire to come back to God. And that was 12 years ago. And it has not changed since then. And I asked why. They were attending Bible study, they were going to services. They volunteered every single week. I worked with them in outreach. And over the tw past 12 years, they have not been back. And each year goes by. Go ahead and put that first verse back up, please. Each year goes by, and these verses become more and more real. They went out from us, but they were not of us. They went out from us. And you might be thinking, well, I know why, Jeremy, I know why. Maybe they started off, they were saved, they had their salvation, and somewhere along the way, they lost their salvation. That's what people think. That's what people think outside of the church. That's what they think about Christians, that you can lose your salvation. My answer to that is no, he did not lose his salvation. In fact, I'll show you why no one is truly, who is truly saved ever loses their salvation. What happened was this, and it says right there, they went out from us, even though... They were with us because they were not with us in the beginning. 
they were never really saved from the beginning. They looked saved. They acted like they were saved. They talked with, like they were saved, but in their hearts of hearts, nothing was really changed. There is a saying that I heard. The heart of a man is best seen with the passage of time. How do you know, like, let's compare it to a horse. How do you know a strong horse from a weak horse? Run one step? No, those horses are going to be the exact same if they run one step. They add a million steps to that, right? Then the strong horse will finish, and the weak horse will be shown. How do you know the heart of a man? You date a guy for, or a woman for one day and then get married? No. Unless it's arranged, but no. <laughs> you just don't. Even after 10 years of dating and you get married, you still don't know entirely, right? It's with the passage of time that you know a man's heart. See, the people that he's speaking to, these are the true people of Christ's church. But they were never part of the kingdom in any real way. They were a part of the church, but they weren't part of the kingdom. They just... They wanted to fit in, but they weren't quite there. So with the passage of time, no wonder that they would have departed from us. For it says, for they had been of us, they would have continued with us. So if they had been true believers, they would have continued along with us. If they had truly changed and accepted the Christ, the God Spirit, and accept Jesus into their life, then they would have continued. But they went out from us because they were not of us. They were false believers. I think John can speak of this uh, better than most people. He knew one of these false believers. He had a group of close associates, 12 of them. And one of them turned out to not be of them. He preached with them, did miracles with them. He learned from Jesus together with them. He was even the trusted treasurer of the group. But Judas Iscariot eventually denied Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. He went out from us because he was not of us to begin with. So this morning, <clears throat> I understand our first category of false believers is a scary category. They pray, they read the Bible, they use Christian words, but their hearts are never changed. This can be challenging. Could this be you this morning? Could, you, could this be you? And if it is you, then I pray earnestly that Jesus comes into your life and that you accept him for your salvation. Not just words spoken. Words are flat, but with your heart. This is important. And this is not a message to condemn you. I know it seems depressing. It's not a message to condemn you, though. This is a message of hope. Just like the, the song she was singing this morning. Which one was it? It was uh, forever. No, Christ is enough. Christ is enough for us. So this is a message of hope because there's still forgiveness and hope in Jesus Christ. The spirit of Antichrist will not have a foothold inside of you because you have the Spirit of God dwelling inside right now, each and every one of you. You've got the Spirit of God inside of you. There is no room right now. There is no room for the Antichrist, any spirit of Antichrist to be inside of you. So the second category in the church, some of these false believers, we're going to take it a step further, some of these false believers will move even further into their journey and become false teachers. False teachers. Don't get me wrong, this is not something that we like to talk about, but it's true. There are false teachers in the church around the world, most definitely. The scripture says it very clearly. Scripture says, children, it is the last hour. 
And as, as you have heard, Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. And they went out from us. So John is saying, if these false teachers, these Antichrists, where do they come from? They come from the church. They come from here. They come from around the world. They come from the, the actual, visible, external church. They didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to be a, a false teacher or a false believer. No, they started somewhere. And if you think about many cults today, I'm not going to name the cults because of sensitivity, but there are a lot of cults today that are Christian cults. And all these cult leaders, where do they come from? They come from the church. They went out from us. Paul tells us this in Acts 20. Paul, he's been with the church of Ephesus now for some time, and he warns them in verse 29. He says, I know that after I leave, salvage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. So where do they come from? They come from outside and some from inside. Continuing with, Acts, with verse 30, it says, even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw disciples away from them. He doesn't know who these false teachers are. None of us do. We don't know what's going on. But he does warn us that they will come. False teachers, false believers, the spirit of Antichrist will come. That is a certainty. It's just another sign of the last days. In case you're wondering about the last days, some of you probably are, uh, we are indeed living in our last days. How long are those last days? So far, about 2,000 years. It's been a long last day, 2,000 years. So from the time of John to the return of Jesus is the last days. So we are in our last days. And yes, many, many antichrists will come. And they've already come. It's not usual, and John is not saying something strange. This isn't something new at the time. Because even Jesus said it in Matthew 25. He says, For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and they will lead many astray. Many will come, Jesus says. Many. The spirit of Antichrist would just love to split God's church. And why not? Even now in this world, with the... With the the election, the, the country is split, it's divided. This is the perfect time for the, for the spirit of the Antichrist to come in and split it even further. Away from Jesus. Away from Jesus. And why do you think the spirit of the Antichrist wants to do this? He wants to do that. He wants to split it up because he's afraid. Satan is afraid. He's afraid of you. He's afraid of all of you. He's afraid. And so he's going to take every opportunity he can to split that up. But you have everything you need, everything you need to live a godly and Jesus-filled life, and that terrifies him. Many will come. Many. You say, well, Jeremy, I don't see many. The reason why you don't see them is because they're not obvious. They're not obvious to you. They're subtle. They're not going to come in here and declare that this is the church of the Antichrist. No, they're going to call them, they're the cults, right? They're going to call themselves something different. They're not going to say that I'm the church of the Antichrist. But see, if you want to cheat, if you want to lie, and you want to lead people astray, you don't come in and declare it. You come in disguised. 
that's exactly what's happening in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It says, And no wonder, for even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. And there's no surprise of his servants. These false teachers are his servants. They also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. So they come in as angels of light. They're not going to come in and say, Jesus, don't talk about Jesus. No, they want you to talk about Jesus. These teachers, these false teachers, they want you to talk about Jesus. They want you to talk about grace. They want you to talk about godliness. They want you to use Christian lingo. It's all about disguise. And you won't suspect their true intentions until it's too late. When he starts to insert those lies into your life, he leads you astray. And it's so powerful the way he does it. It's so powerful because it's coupled with great success on the outside. These false teachers, they don't have small followings, these false teachers. Don't assume that they have small followings. It's not like three or four. No, it's thousands. The Bible tells us in Second Peter that they have big followings and many will follow their sensuality. And because of them, the truth will be blasphemed. They could have big churches, Big buildings, lots of people on Facebook. Be very eloquent, be polished, be dressed real nice, clean cut, charismatic, highly successful. Such a beautiful disguise, though, on the outside. And what's more, the Bible even says that some of them, now this part blows me away, that some of them can even do great signs and wonders. Are you kidding me? Some of these false teachers can do great signs and wonders. Matthew 24, 24 says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, even possible, even the elect. But know this, not all signs and wonders are from God. Back in Moses' day, there were court magicians, right, who could perform similar wonders, but they were not of God. So these slick and powerful false teachers, they try to lead others astray. So how do they feed you lies? How do they slip these lies into your life? Because when they do, these lies, they look like very good truths. They look very solid, and you can almost fall for it. In 2 Peter 2, 1, it says, False prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who brought them. So it's not going to be blatant or obvious. It's going to be very subtle and secretive. Because if it's not secretive and they come out and they're just like spreading lies to you, then they are very lousy wolves in sheep's clothing, right? I mean, it's terrible. When I think about the secretly bringing in lies, I was thinking about my kids years ago, my boys. Um, when they were little, we used to play board games all the time. And uh, one of the games we used to play was Monopoly. And I would lose Monopoly a lot. It was really annoying because these kids are like way younger than me. There's no way I should be losing Monopoly to them. I thought, well, maybe I'm just terrible at this game. And then one day out of the corner of my eye, I saw Alex. He was, I don't know how old he was at the time. I saw him reaching out, just grabbing some money, you know. <laughs> I looked at him and said, what are you doing? He was the banker, right? So he had an endless supply of money. No wonder I was losing. This kid is a millionaire. I couldn't believe it. But the thing was, is if I wasn't watching for it, if I did not watch for that, I would not have seen it, right? Because he, he's watching me. He doesn't want me to see him cheating. So he was watching me. Or else I would never have known. 
you realize that false teachers, they watch you too. Because they're cheating. And they're watching you. And they're trying to slip these lies into your life without you seeing it. So ultimately, the false teacher also denies the Christ. Because the heart of the Christian message is about Christ. And he will tell you that this Jesus is not the Christ. The Jesus of the Bible, he's not your Messiah. He's not the Christ. Let me tell you about another Jesus. Let me tell you about another gospel. And these are the lies that are ultimately tried to put into your life. John 2.22 says, Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. They call themselves the apostles of the church. 2 Corinthians 11.13 says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And with these false teachers, what they're giving you is not the true Jesus of Christ, Jesus Christ, nor the Gospels. What they're giving you is another Jesus. 2 Corinthians 11.4 says, For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus, that the one we proclaimed, or if you accept a different Gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough because he is so slick, he's so professional, and it sounds good. You accept it and put up with it. He gives you a substitute Christ, not the Christ of the Bible, but something else, something that's not the true God. And in the end, you also end up denying Christ. Jude 1.4 says, For certain people have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who perverted grace of our God into sensuality and deny our Master and Lord Jesus Christ. I've seen this with friends, people who pretend to know Jesus. They might even think they really do know Jesus, but in their lives, it shows otherwise. Come into church on Sunday morning, pretend everything is great, and then they go home, and then like their real life is opposite of what's going on in church. The bearing fruit shows the tree, right? You can, the tr so the bearing fruit shows the heart of the tree. They do that because of false teachers. And Second Peter says, they entice by sensual passions of the flesh, those who are barely escaping from those who live in error. They know what the flesh wants. They want you to indulge in your sin and be happy. No wonder they have big followings. It's so much easier to just give in to the temptation of the flesh. They do this out of greed. They don't care about you. They don't care about you. They're greedy. Second Peter 2.3 says, and their greed will exploit you with false words. They went out from us. Signs of the last days. They come from within the church. They are subtle. They are successful. They secretly bring in condemnation, condemn, condemnation heresies. They give you a substitute Jesus. They entice you with sensuality. They give you what you want. They give you what you're excited about but it leads you to sinfulness. It leads you to deny Christ. So in an environment of false believers and false teachers, it could be intimidating, it could be frightening. But the Bible tells us of a third category of believer, the true believer. This is the amazing thing about God's work. In the midst of so many counterfeit and false teachers, the true believer 
hangs on to the word of God. The true believer believes in this. Not what necessarily what everybody just tells them, what, not what the news tells you, not what's going on in the world, what your friends are telling you. This, the word of God, is what the true believer follows. He says, John says, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. It's amazing. They will continue. The true believer will continue. They may be tossed around. They might be tempted in the oceans. They might be even turn around for a brief moment. But at the end, they will keep on believing with Jesus. They will continue with us. They will continue with us. I'd like to invite the worship team back up if they're here. They will continue in believing with Jesus. For false Christ and false prophets, as Matthew 24 says, will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, even possible, even the elect. If possible, even the elect. How thankful are we for the words, if possible? Because without those words, we're done for. What does it look like without those words? It says, how thankful are we How think false Christ is to lead astray even the elect. So as to lead astray even the elect. Thank God for the words if possible. You know what that means, if possible? It means that it is impossible to be successful in leading astray the true believers, the elect. You are chosen and secured by God. Jesus, John explains it in verse 20. But you have been anointed by the Holy One and you have all knowledge. It is an image, I see an image of God's blessing upon you. The Holy Spirit is living inside of you, giving you all you need to live a God-filled life. So friends, you are anointed by God with the Spirit of Christ inside of you. You have no reason to fear, no reason to give up. By the power of God, you have everything already inside of you to live like Jesus, to be like Jesus because you are a true believer of Jesus. You are anointed and the holy by the Holy One and have all knowledge. This knowledge, it's intuitive. It's intuitive. And you know it because the Holy Spirit teaches it to you. But His anointing teaches you about everything. And it is true. And it is no lie. It is no lie. You will not be swayed because the work of the Holy Spirit is in your heart leading you every step of the way, calling you out, calling out to you and establishing you for the kingdom of God, you belong to Christ. In John 14, 26, Jesus says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you in remembrance of all that I have said to you. And he says in John 15, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And finally in John 16, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Not part of the truth, not the truth that you want to hear, but all of the truth, the real truth. And remember in the Old Testament, the teaching of the new covenant, there will come a day when God will take out your heart of stone and put it in a heart of flesh and he will send you his spirit. 
So that way you don't have to ask anyone. You don't have to ask anyone, who is the Lord? Because we know, you all know who the Lord is. And that is the true Jesus Christ. Because the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you right now. And because of that, we are, we are the children of God. Let's pray. Father God, just thank you so much. These words are hard to hear sometimes, but I, I, I just, I'm so grateful that we get to hear the truth. It, it's just, and it's the truth that we need to hear. Sometimes there's truths in the Bible that we don't want to hear. It doesn't make it any less true. We want to hear it. We want to accept it. We want to follow your path. I, I realize that there's going to be times where we're going to, some of us might turn briefly or we might stumble and fall, but we know that Jesus Christ reaches down and lifts us up. And we continue on our path. We keep our eyes focused on Jesus, on the prize. He is our king. He is the king of kings. He is our Lord. He is our Jesus, and we worship him. Father God, I just pray for everybody here this morning, and that when they leave here, that they don't leave here feeling condemned, but they leave here with hope. Hope because Jesus is with them. Jesus has saved them. They're not going to deny you. We accept you. For they went out from us. No. We are here with you now. When those thousands turned from Jesus, the disciples, the true believers of Christ, are with you. And we are with you. We are the true believers of Christ. And we are with you right now, Lord Jesus. We love you so much. And all God's people said, Amen.